Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 272. It's a quote from Paul Newman, but I know it's an old proverb, and I think it goes something like, punctuality is the courtesy of kings. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Matt D'Andrea. Matt, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. Wait, who's driving? Well, you know, I think I'm going to be driving today, but uh, if at any point you need to take the wheel, just holler, okay? Okay. okay. No problem. I'm, I'm good. I'm, okay. a good. I'm a good backseat driver. I can handle it. Oh, gosh. I can't get sick or anything. I can tell this is going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Matt DeAndrea is the co-host at CarCast with podcast and video show with Adam Carolla. He's also the co-host on Shift and Steer with Brad Fanshawe, who was recently here at Cars Yeah, along with Sammy Hagar's son, Aaron Hagar from Rat Runner Garage, and Pete Chaporis, president of SoCal Speed Shop, another guest here on Cars Yeah. Matt is the executive producer on the exciting feature film documentary Winning, The Racing Life of Paul Newman, that was just released in May of 2015. Matt also hosted a YouTube show for GQ magazine titled Car Collectors that featured celebrity car collections, and in a single season, the show earned over 2.5 million views. Wow. So, Matt, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Yeah, well, uh, thanks for that introduction. Wow, I feel like you covered everything. I, I don't oh, know. no, there's like, a lot more to cover. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'd probably have to ask my mom. Like, she's the only one that has more glowing reviews than uh, anybody. It's just mom. I did. She's the one that sent me all this stuff. <laughs> okay, great. See, I've only really been professionally in the automotive space for about seven or eight years now. And a lot of what you just introed with is what I've been doing since then. Now, in a, in a previous life, I ran a web development company in Los Angeles. And uh, we started very early on in the internet days. But a lot of my clients, just being a car guy that I am, I sought out automotive clients. So we actually built uh, all sorts of technology solutions and websites and stuff for Honda, Nissan, Toyota, Kia, Clarion Car Audio and you know a handful of other brands. Wow, but very cool. That's the other half of my life. Yeah, before I just sort of decided to make an entire industry switch. Well, it's very cool, and that's what Cars Yeah is all about. I love interviewing people who figured out a way to wrap their passion for cars into their vocation, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show 
because you're doing that and you've done it in a really short period of time. And we'll get, as we move along, we'll talk about a lot of different things. And I want to hear a lot about this newly released film you just did because it's absolutely fantastic. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So I'm going to hand the wheel over to you, Matt. Take it. Okay, so I, as far as a success quote, I it's a quote from Paul Newman, but I know it's an old proverb, and I think it goes something like, punctuality is the courtesy of kings. And Paul Newman had always talked about how he was always early or, or definitely on time for anything he ever did. And I, I got this great story from John Lasseter, who runs all of Pixar and now basically all of Disney animation. Yeah. When I was talking to Lasseter about Paul Newman in our film, he told me that. He said that w- whenever he filmed or recorded the voice, you know, Paul Newman was the voice of Doc Hudson in the movie right. Cars. Yeah. And he said that when they knew that whenever they were going to do a recording session with Newman, that they needed to be ready at least 30 minutes ahead of time because that's when Paul Newman was coming in. And Paul Newman told him, punctuality is the courtesy of kings. Yes. Well, you know, punctuality has so much to do with respect, respect of other people. And I've always thought that was a great attribute for anybody. It's something my parents drilled into my head when it came to work, show up to work early, always leave after your boss. But I love that, and I love the fact that it came from him, because yeah. uh, I've never met the man. I just have read books and learned about him, but uh, he seemed like a really genuine person. And, of course, he was a consummate car guy. Yeah, you know, and there's another great quote in our film from Paul Newman where, not very business-like, but, you know, in the racing side, and he said, he told it to his wife, Joanne Woodward, and she told it in the film. She said, Winning isn't everything. It's just all that there is. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, a great, it's a great quote from Newman. And not, maybe he heard it from somebody else. But, but that's the quote that actually that stuck with Joanne mm. and you know, was in an interview when you know, she talked to, I don't know, Sam Posey on camera long ago. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And they talked about that. It's a lot like that quote from Steve McQueen about uh, uh, racing is everything in life. All the rest is just waiting around, if you will. Yeah, right. Similar to that. How have you incorporated that success quote, that concept into your life and what you do? Because you're in this, I mean, you're doing so many different things and you work with a lot of Hollywood people. And, you know, we hear stories about some of these folks, uh, good and bad. You know, they don't show up on time. They do whatever they want. How yeah. do you incorporate that into your life? Well, I, I'll tell you, the the, uh, the whole like winning isn't everything. It's all there is thing. I don't incorporate that because I don't win anything. So, <laughs> But the previous one about uh, punctuality is is the courtesy of Kings. I loved that quote when I heard it from John Lasseter because I've been a big believer in that and for so long and without even knowing that quote and everything that I've always done, it was always about get there on time because you don't want people scrambling around and waiting on you. And as I move more and more into this freelance world, doing some things on the entertainment side, whether it be some producing stuff or hosting stuff, I I realized that for example, if you're hosting something, if you're hosting a video show like we did for GQ, there's a lot of people there <laughs> filming and recording sound and, and setting stuff up and bouncing light and doing everything. But if you're the guy that's hosting it and you're not at least there earlier on time, everybody's standing around waiting for you. You yeah. look like a fool. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be the dick that rolls in late. <laughs> Be like, thanks for waiting around, everybody. 
you know, just cost the set, you know, $10,000 of people waiting around. Yes. I don't, don't want to be that guy at all. No, no, let's no. not be that guy. <laughs> no. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? I'd love to hear about a pivotal moment in your life when, when you realized you were a car guy. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a funny thing is because, you know, as you do more and more car shows like this, you're doing podcasts, I do a podcast, and you realize every car guy that you talk to pretty much got the bug when they were kids. You know, it's it's like very rarely do you see a guy be like, you know, when I was 35, I realized what a car was and I, <laughs> I figured, you know, that's going to be awesome. Right. So, yeah, I started young, but you, you ask about a pivotal moment for me. It's when you're 15, you're 16 years old, you're about to drive or you can drive. And then, you know, you're either building a car or tooling on a car or, or you're, you know, you're ditching class at high school so you, can, you and your buddies can go work on a car, which uh, don't tell my parents, but that happened a lot. No, no, nobody heard. We'll edit that part out. I worked on cars as a kid with my dad and my, and my older brother, but it wasn't until I was about 15 that my brother and I you know, fully restored a car. We took a 65 Mustang, we fully restored it. And before I was even old enough to drive. And then when it was done, I was old enough to drive. And I got to drive that car to car shows. And we just got, you know, a wall full of trophies with that car. Very so cool. not only did we get to build the car the first time, we were very fortunate in that I guess we figured out what the hell to do because you know, we got we got a few accolades with that car, which was fun. Oh, sounds awesome. Yeah, and a Mustang too, even better. What I'd love to do now is look at some of the roads you've driven down. You're in multiple careers, and there's ups and downs in this entrepreneurial world. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or a great failure that you faced. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation, and what did you learn from it? You know, I, that's an interesting question. I started my first business, my web development business, when I was 19. I started it with, with a very good friend of mine that I grew up with. Um, a guy named Adam Pizzoni. And uh, he and I were were freshmen in college. We wanted to get into the internet space. It was very new. Uh, the web was just becoming a thing. You know, um, mm-hmm. the first web browser was Netscape. And we were messing around with like, it wasn't even version one. It was like 0.95. <laughs> and if you're an early web guy out there and you're listening, you remember the old Netscape browser and that logo, the N in the corner, it would breathe. It was this pulsating end that would breathe at you. It was kind yeah. of creepy. So I guess starting a business and doing that was the first big challenge. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a guideline or a recipe on how to create a web development company because nobody had really done it before. Before I don't want to say we were the first, but people were doing it at the same time we were starting to do it. So we were very early on. And, you know, and then from there, you get your typical small business challenges as as a 19-year-old, we went to go rent some office space. You know, we, we actually wrote a proposal and raised some money and went to go get some office space, and they wouldn't rent it to us. They're like, oh, come back with your dad. <laughs> yeah, and, you, you can't know, rent this car, kid. <laughs> right, and that was we – were, we were in a building in Santa Monica on the 3rd Street Promenade. It's this old clock tower building. It's 12 stories, and I remember walking in there on day one, and the guy said, come back with your dad, and we'll rent you some office space. We rented a very small 644 square feet office, and then eventually we grew to six of the 12 floors. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And- <laughs> yeah, I don't need my dad anymore, pal. Yeah. I th- <laughs> no, yeah. But by the way, every office after the first one, they were fine. They're like, yeah, yeah it's fine. You can come on now in. Now we love you. Yeah, we'll take yeah. your checks every month. <laughs> so, you know, that was that was the first career. And then, you know, the second one was essentially 
getting out of the internet space for the most part in web development. I didn't want to be in the services business anymore, and I wanted to do something in automotive. So it was one of these uh, moments where you decide, I can leave making a lot of money and join having a lot more fun, but for a lot less money. Yep. You know, so yeah. that's, that's where I am. I'm, I'm not sure if this is the best decision yet. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it leads me to the next question, which has to do with shifting gears and, and talking about an aha moment. I like to say it's a moment when the headlights came on and illuminated your way for a new idea, a new direction. Maybe that's what happened to you in this case, but tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into an upcoming success, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. You know, the internet bubble initially burst in like, I don't know what it was, 2001 or something like that. And then soon after there was September 11. And then uh, that was when we sort of decided, do we still want to be in this space? And it was getting more difficult to be in the internet than the web development space. And then we had a lot of fun. We had great clients and everybody was young and everybody made, you know, made a little bit of money, uh, you know, in that space. And we got to, you know, see cool things and play with video games and buy cool cars and stuff. Sure, um, sure. But it was at that point where I decided, you know, I, I really like the automotive space, specifically the automotive aftermarket. I love the automotive aftermarket. And I just, I just uh, packed up all my shit and I just drove out to Vegas and went to the SEMA show for the first time. And I just walked around to every booth I could and – I just said, like, who's who's the man here? Who's in charge of this and who's in charge of that? And I just walked up to him and I would say, hey, my name is Matt DeAndrea. I'm getting in the automotive space. These are some ideas of mine. Uh, you don't know me now, but you will know me. And, and <laughs> cool. I just did that again and again and again. And I'll tell you who <laughs> the, the great moment for me was as I did that, I ran into a guy at the GM Performance Parts booth, now Chevrolet Performance Parts. I ran into a wonderful man named Dr. Jamie Meyer, who a lot of industry people know. Yep. And I said, hey, my name is Matt. I'm not in this space. I'm going to be. You're going to know me. And he's like, okay, let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's just do it. Cool. And then I got to pick his brain. He gave me some great advice. And uh, he's a wonderful guy, one of my best friends in the industry. And, and I still you know, work with him today. Very cool. You know, SEMA is cool. I've gone to SEMA for 25 years in a row now. I've walked those halls over and over and over, and they're just filled with magnificent people, businesses, and I've watched it grow to just huge numbers. You know, it, it pulled back a bit after 9-11 and, and the, yeah. the big crash in 2008. Things kind of s slowed down a little bit, especially overseas vendors, but now it's ramped back up, and it's just fantastic. So, and now it's enormous, and now this year, that, that parking lot outside in between the uh, Renaissance Hotel and the convention center, mm -hmm. they're putting like another building or a pop-up building and they're expanding there. They're, I don't know. They got something like 1.2 million square feet. It's of, uh, wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> and, and, and bring Advil or something, man. Cause, yeah, it's a tough uh, five days. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I, it is, It's pretty crazy. We used to go and do that show in our suits and dress shoes. And I remember yeah. this, the first year I did it, I had holes in my socks at the end of the first day. And I went, I got four more days of this? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's brutal. It's crazy. But it's an amazing spectacle. And yeah. it's just, it's something that more and more people should go to. And and what's nice now is, is the last day on Friday, I don't know if they're still doing this, but, on, but like on Friday, it was open to the public or they were doing like this event, this SEMA Ignited car show event where you can you know, the public can kind of go and see a lot of these cars from the SEMA floor. They parade out of the convention center, yeah. down the strip, 
to this event. So even if you can't get into SEMA because it's an industry event, you can still see unlimited dollar amount of the coolest cars debuting at SEMA, you know, oh, yeah. hundreds, if not thousands of cars, probably costing millions and millions of dollars. Oh. And I'm not saying they're all Lamborghini Aventadors. I'm saying like, these oh, are guys out there. We everything. Know, yeah. The greatest hot rod builders out there, you know, Ring Brothers and Bodie Stroud. And, you know, these guys are bringing, you know, uh, the best vehicles that they've been working on for years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bodie's been a guest on uh, recently and he told me about a car he's preparing had many guests. Rob Ida has been on the show. I mean, all these builders that bring cars to that event. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I've got a I've got a car going over to Bodie's garage as well. So next cool. time you talk to him, you tell him to drop what he's doing, just work on my shit. Okay, I'll let him know. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> How about proudest moments? You've probably had many, but is there one in particular that stands out for you in your career? Well, you know, I've had a couple careers, so you know, each one has has its moment. You know. Um, there's there's not one moment that I sort of base everything on. Mm-hmm. I I always liked each little milestone and celebrating that because that keeps the motivation going day in and day out. When we wrote our proposal and we raised our first dollar to start a company at 19, that was a home run for us. Oh yeah. You go out and you just sit there and and think about what, you know, what you've done, accept it, be proud of it and move to the next thing. So, and then as a web development company, you know, the first contract we got then the first big contract the first fifty thousand dollar check you got the first five hundred thousand dollar check you got and then you look back and go remember when 50 grand was all the money in the world or like this new contract's 500 grand yeah so so you go to that side of it and um and then when i switched and got into the automotive space i didn't think to be on the entertainment side of the business and uh that just sort of worked out that way and there's been some some great milestones in that. Uh, the show that I do with Adam Carolla, well, you know, working with Adam Carolla is is a wonderful treat. We do all kinds of car stuff together. Oh yeah, and we we host Carcast together, which is fun. And then uh, you know, but I I had come in as just sort of a consultant and then started producing that show for a while before Adam invited me to be co-host. So that was a great moment for me. And I you know I'm just looking for the, for the next one for the next for the one next around moment. the next corner. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Other than that first car that I built, that 1965 Mustang, mm-hmm. my favorite car was, is, I was very young. I was still in high school. I was working two jobs, uh, two very funny jobs. I was a pet groomer, <laughs> okay, a couple okay. nights a week. Yeah. And then I worked the parts counter at a Pet Boys, and I bought myself... A 1993 Mustang Cobra. That was the first year of the SVT Cobra. I nice. loved the car. Just went out there, did all the crazy things a 16, 17-year-old should do in a car like that. Yikes. And loved it. It's just like the car just was would just clean it all the time. Like it was it was such a big achievement to be able to go out and buy something like that and take it to shows and take it out at night and and take it to school and you know there was never it was never any dirt on that car i can tell you my <laughs> job became cleaning that car and and at a very unfortunate turn of events about a year and a half later that car got stolen oh no right from the driveway of my house oh and then it was stripped down and chopped apart oh no yeah ah. so the car that i'm building now that Bodie stroud is going to be helping me with is another 1993 Mustang Cobra. Oh, good. All right. Well, I feel better now. <laughs> I felt bad there for a moment, but Brody's helping you build this. going to be pretty cool. Yeah. It's, cool. We're going to do some pretty cool things on it. It's going to be pretty extreme, but yeah. um, awesome. it'll, it'll be fun. 
Is there a vehicle that you've sold in your past that you really wish you could have back? You talk about the one that got stolen, so we won't count that one. Yeah, that was not my fault. No. They took it without without me knowing. You know, my, my 65 Mustang, I ended up rebuilding that several times, and I no longer have it. That's probably a car I would like to, to have back because – not because it was anything special. It was a 65 Coupe. It was special to me because that was the first real car that I had built and, and drove. So I'd like to have that back. There's also a, a, a really wonderful childhood car, and it was an Alfa Romeo Spider. And Ooh. it was one of the cars that, that as a kid – my dad and my brother would work on, and I'd always be there. Going, what are you doing? What are you doing here? How are you doing that? What are you doing that for? And then, um, you know, my family's owned several since then, but uh, I'd like to have that car back. Yeah, Alphas are cool. <laughs> Very fun. Well, how about current projects? I'd love to talk a little bit about winning the racing life of Paul Newman, this this uh, production that you just did. I normally ask people at this point about what they're working on now that really has them excited and fired up. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that would be great. You know, this is a, a feature film documentary, uh, as you said, about Paul Newman's racing career. And Paul Newman, he did a film in, I believe, 1969 called Winning with Robert Wagner. Yes. Uh huh. And that kind of put the racing bug in him. Even for that film, he started training with Bob Bondurant to, to be a driver. And he told Robert Wagner, he's like, hey, we're going to do a racing film. We should learn how to race. And Ragnar's like, yeah, let's do that. So it, it kind of started from there. And then as the film got wrapped, Paul stuck with it. And he teamed up with Bob Sharp. And they he had this phenomenal racing career that spanned 35 years that uh, not many people know about. I mean, Paul Newman has a 35-year racing career. He has four national championships as a driver. He has eight championships as a team owner with Carl Haas. And he won his last race at age 82, yeah. and he still drove almost up until the day he died. He died at age 83, and he was winning Trans Am races at 82 years old. He was kicking the shit out of these kids, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, a third of his age. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a wonderful story. Um, of course, as you start to dig into this film and you see the man himself is such a fan of motorsports, such a fan of cars, but – also just a good man all around. I mean, everybody knows his Newman's own salad dressing and stuff, but if you really run the numbers on that, that's a company that 100% of his take would go to charity and they've raised over $430 million. Oh, it's incredible. For charity. I mean, we eat that dressing every night. So yeah. (laughs) Right. And every time you do, it's going to charity and it's wonderful. So it was a great film to make. It basically started with uh, Adam Carolla, you know, was the champion of this whole film. He's the producer and director of the film, along with a guy named Nate Adams. And Adam uh, picked up, I think, a f- his first his first race car was a Bob Sharp 610, Datsun 610. Uh-huh. And uh, and soon after that, um, I think it was Newman's 1984 N- Nissan 300ZX, a GT1 championship race car that went up for sale. And Adam's like, wow, these I like these cars. And this is Paul Newman car. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I'll just get it and restore it one day. And he did. And along with that car comes a great story. So then you go out and you find another Paul Newman car. And you get another wonderful story. And here we are. Adam now has seven of Paul Newman's race cars. And each one comes with an amazing story and all kinds of stuff. Engines and books and photos and backup pieces and body panels and the history of all those cars is when uh, Adam decided we should 
we should make a film. We should make a film about this thing. And we're like, oh, yeah, let's do something 30 minutes on TV. We're like, no, his career is way too big. We need, you know, we need to make a feature film. So that's what we did. Uh, the film came out May 22nd. It's on, uh, it's on video on demand, most cable networks. It's on DirecTV. And it's available for digital download to rent or buy pretty much anywhere. iTunes, Amazon, Xbox Live, PlayStation, Google Play. I, I really recommend it for not just anybody who's a car guy, but watch it with your family, watch it with your wife, because uh, Paul Newman was an amazing man, and uh, he's not horrible to look at, apparently. <laughs> apparently not. You know, uh, there's a, also a great book called Winning the Racing Life of Paul Newman, and I had it here at the house, and a friend was here, and they said, Paul Newman, the actor? He, he yeah. raced? You know, and I'm like, well, of course he raced. And they're like, really? Well, they they weren't car people. So, but uh, yeah. I told them about your film and uh, yeah, we're going to definitely get it and have a little airing here at the house and uh, enjoy it with some popcorn and maybe some Paul Newman salad dressing. <laughs> oh, you should get some Paul, Paul Newman has popcorn. That's right. You're right. He does. Get some Paul Newman popcorn. Um, the book that you're talking about was written by Matt Stone. Matt's a good guy. And uh, I contacted him and we ended up licensing that book and uh, the movie was essentially going to be based off of that. But as we sort of dug into our own stories, we just kind of created everything from scratch again. But uh, but we did license the book, and that's why we're using the same. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, Matt's been a guest here on Cars Yeah as well. So, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, written some great books, some automotive books, and been a car guy forever. So uh, yeah. we're all one big happy family. Now, here's a very introspective question. It's, it's a revealing how you look at yourself here. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, if you were a car, Matt— what yes. kind of car would you be and why? Oh, well, I'm not very athletic, but I am Italian and I would love to look as amazing as possible, which I don't. <laughs> Is this what I would like to be or what I think I am? Well, I love a Ferrari it, it, Lusso. Yeah, people answer it that way, but this is more who you really are, you know, yeah. uh, versus okay. who you wish you were. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I was a Ferrari Lusso, but I think I'm like a Fiat 500. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, that's a fair answer. Very honest. I like that. Yeah, we'd all love to be a Lusso. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, sexy yeah. Italian lines. Yeah, but yeah, okay. I got it. The 500. Yes. So, Matt, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to one of our Cars Yeah sponsors. No more worries about a dead battery. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium-ion technology that'll start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle every time. It includes a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight, and it easily recharges with USB outlets so you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool. It's safe and easy to use. Quality, design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at Genius Charger all right, Matt, we're entering the last lap, and this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some really quick blips of the throttle answers. So you little Fiat 500, are you ready? <laughs> I'm going to do my best. We'll see. Okay, you think you can. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? <laughs> um, I don't know, measure twice, cut once? <laughs> yeah, that was C.C. Dixon, my seventh grade woodshop teacher. Yeah. The man yeah. with four fingers on one hand. 
honestly, I would say um, in in building in building project cars, whatever your budget is, and you, you put it all out in your Excel sheet, you look at your time, you look at your budget, you plan as much as you can, then double the budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then if you're doing a house, triple it. So yeah, yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Okay, so I mean, I don't know if it's a habit. It's just on the business side of things, I love the details. I got to be super detail oriented. So mm-hmm. if it's anything from approving a logo design to writing a business plan, I, I go above and beyond. When I, when I write the business plan, the amount of research I do before I put pen to paper is probably ridiculous by most standards. So for me, it's, it's all about the details. It's all about the details. Yep. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you think they would enjoy? Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, in the car world, I'd say you'd have to certainly download the Adam Carolla mobile app so you can listen to CarCast. Yeah, there you go. And if you don't want to listen to CarCast, you can listen to Adam rant on so many other things. But yeah. uh, yep. there isn't really one website. For me, it's it's all the websites. So, uh, you know, there's I, a lot of them out there. But uh, yeah. yeah, definitely CarCast. You know, being a podcaster here, uh, looking at what you guys do, it's a very different kind of show, but it's so much fun. I mean, it's just an Adam's, you know, wild and crazy and you do a great job on that show. So it's a great resource for car people that are listening to this show. Thank you. For oh, that. you're welcome. Would you share a book with our listeners that you think they would really enjoy reading? Well, I mean, certainly the, the topic for us right now is Matt Stone's book that we talked about, Winning the Racing Life with Paul Newman. And then, uh, uh, you know, I think people should probably pick up Go Like Hell. Ah, and, by uh, Bame. Yeah. And, uh, and check that out as well, right? Yeah, that's um, a great book. That's been recommended many times yeah. here on Cars. Yeah. And then when you're sick of cars, probably pick up some Harry Potter book. I haven't <laughs> read one, but I heard they're very popular. You know, my uh, kids read those books, and uh, one of them has grown up and moved away, and the other one's in his senior year of college. And in both of their bedrooms are all the Harry Potter books. They each had to have their own book because they were fighting over them. And uh, yeah. I will say I've not read them either, but my kids keep saying, Dad, you need to read these. They're really cool. So. Look, if they're great, they're going to turn them into movies, right? I think they did that. (laughs) That's what they did with the Harry Potter books. That's what we did with the winning book, the Paul Newman book. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So you got an automatic winner there. (laughs) There you go. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Matt DeAndrea. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Matt. And this last question can be a real doozy. All right. If you could only have one collector car in your garage... But don't worry about the cost because today I'm writing the check. Even one of those big golfer's checks, you know, with a lot of zeros. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. You'd like that. Okay. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Okay. 1948 Tucker. I, I know, just, I love the Tucker. I don't know why. I just, I love the Tucker. A friend of mine has a Tucker. He has an entire Tucker room. He's got Tucker memorabilia. And I just love what that car kind of stood for. I mean, I don't know. The, the guy was fighting the big companies at the time, and yeah, and he was trying to be innovative with the car. And you know, there's so many different sides to the story. It's like, was he a genius businessman that was trying to build a great car, or he was a shady guy that you know got in over his head? And either way, I just like the idea that try to do something in a world where you know it's like, hey, I'm going to create some competitor to Microsoft Word today. Like, why would I do that when? There's giants out there like Microsoft that are that are doing it. Like I love the idea of of Preston Tucker trying to take on that battle. Now he didn't win, but I loved his his drive. Well, very interesting because I had Preston's great grandson Sean Tucker on this show not too long ago, uh-huh. and Matt Hardigree from Jalopnik, a great website. 
Uh, that was the car that Matt chose. So you're the third Tucker lover oh. on the show, which is really odd because a Tucker is just such an obscure car. And I got to spend a whole day photographing that car once years ago. It's now at the LeMay Museum here in uh, the Pacific Northwest in Tacoma. But, uh, you know, you're right. It's uh, he's, he's one of those stories, almost like an Elon Musk of today with Tesla. Yeah. Um, although, obviously, Elon's done a little better job from the business side, I think. But uh, it's okay. That's great. Tuckers are cool. Man, they're really unique cars. Very, very different. So great choice. Matt, you have taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your Tucker 48? Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, Piece of advice that I don't know. I would just say um, just don't give up. Your podcast has this great business spin to it which I love. And, and I'll tell you, like the first business that I did, it was just all about not giving up. You know, when I, when I started that business, uh, my partner and I came out to California with no money and we just, you know, we had a, a crappy pickup truck and we lived on the beach, for, you know, <laughs> until, until we, you know, got our first deal and then worked from there. And then when I sort of reinvented myself to try to get in the automotive space, um, you know, same thing. You just, you just keep getting, you know, uh, showing up is is seems like ninety percent of it, you know. Yeah, I told my kids that as they go off into the world. I said, you know, half the half your effort is just showing up, being there, doing it, and it's great advice for entrepreneurs who listen to this show that want to get into the automotive world, and that's their passion. Is yeah, you just got to keep doing it. I hear that from every guest. It is not easy, but you got to work hard. Just keep doing it. Keep moving. Keep going. Do not give up. It's great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your new film? Well, the, the film is at newmanracingfilm.com, and uh, you, you can buy it right from there, and you can see where you can get it for rent or download. And uh, So definitely check that out, newmanracingfilm.com. Okay, and how about the other ventures you're involved in? CarCast is, uh, is, is my podcast with Adam Carolla. That's at carcastshow.com. You can check out the website. We're also on iTunes, and there's an Adam Carolla mobile app. And then uh, Shift and Steer is, uh, you know, you can find Shift and Steer on, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Shift Steer Media. And that podcast is on iTunes and I believe Stitcher. And you might be able to listen to it through a direct link on, on our Facebook page as well. When the episodes come out, we put a link there. So check that out, Shift and Steer and CarCast. Very good. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Matt's been so kind to share with us today at CarsYad.com. Matt DeAndrea, and Matt's last name is D, apostrophe A-N-D-R-I-A. Or just put Matt in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop up with all of these links. Matt, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!